before we go into the message, I wanted to give, we've been talking about all in the last couple of weeks, and sometimes that's challenging for people. They try to figure out how do I actually plug in, connect, meet people, do this thing. And so we recognize it can be challenging to graft in. And there are a couple of people, a lot of you have done a great job of that, but there are a couple people that we asked to share this morning a little bit about how they made that work for them, how they found out. Um, how they moved forward when they knew Vintage was their home and how they really plugged in and grafted in. And so Terry Thomas and Jana Reeder, are you in here, Jana? Come on up. Y'all come up here real quick. You're looking at me like you don't know I'm about to call you up. Come on. Uh, You can stand there. So basically, Terry, tell us a little bit. You can start. Just tell us what we need to know. Good morning. Um. You know, um, I was thinking about it when Randall called me, and I was thinking about how good God has been, how gracious he has been to him. And, uh, for 32 years, he's been gracious to us. We've got a crazy God story, crazy God story. And we've seen some crazy God stories in our life. And um, and he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful to us. And he's been, he was so gracious to bring us to this church. And when we came, we came... Um, one of the hardest seasons we've been in in almost 35 years of being married. And we've been through some hard stuff. <laughs> and it was one of our hardest. And uh, um, But God was faithful. God's faithful on the mountaintop. God's faithful in the valley. Uh, he is just good. He is just good every time. And uh, so he uh, pulled us out of a place that we had um, 32 years of history people that had walked this walk with us, people that were there for us when we got saved and we got um, just this journey. They had been there all all along. And uh, he pulled us out, and he pulled us out of the familiar, and I'm thinking about it, and I said, sometimes the familiar will kill you. Uh, sometimes the familiar will keep you from going where God plans for you to go. And uh, it was a hard, hard time for us, and... Um, uh, we came in here, and I would sit right back there where Sherry sat, and I would sit right back there. Please, nobody look at me. That's what I would think. I don't know you. I don't think I want to know you. Um, I'm just doing this because I love God, and he says I need to go to church. So I'm going to come, and I'm going to sit on that back row, and please turn the lights down, and please don't talk to me. Um, this woman right here, every time she would come back there, and she would not ask me anything deep. She would just love me. And I knew like I knew, this woman is a crazy lover. And uh, this man, he's just out of his mind. (laughs) And I loved him. I loved him. And uh, Larry and I just decided, and and I'll tell you, it's a funny story because we came. My husband is one of these people, everything's got to be lined up, lined up, lined up. If I'm going somewhere, please tell me four turns in advance before I get there. And... um, and so we come in and we sit down and it's five till nine. Nine o'clock comes along and my husband says, "Well, they're not starting. Are 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 they not having church? What's going on? What's happening in this place?" And I said, "Larry, it's all good, baby. Please sit down. We have arrived. We are home. I have been looking for this place. And um, when we made a decision, this is where we will stay. The Lord said to me, "Now I have put you in this place for community. Now you." Go find your community. Whew. I didn't want to do that. Because we want everybody to welcome us. 
can you just welcome me? No. He said, you go find your community. Every time there was a women's event, I went. I didn't want to go. I'm telling you, I did not want to go. Please, I don't want to be here, but I went. Every time there was a prayer, I came. I didn't know anybody. I kept coming. I kept coming. I kept coming. I kept doing what my father told me to do. And he began to put people in my life. And this woman right here, I've been looking for her all my life. All of my life. And I have a lot of history with some people. But I've been looking for her. And she's my iron. She is my iron. And you better get you some iron. You better get you somebody who says, Mm-mm, you can't do that. Uh-uh. Let's go over here. And... I'm sorry, I got gum, and it stuck on the roof of my mouth. <laughs> and um, I got it. <laughs> what do you do with that? You just say it. Um, but as I began to do what God told me to do, he began to put people in my life, and I can look at you right now. I can look at you, and... Um, these are my people. This is my tribe. These are the people that God put around me. And they're 20s, and they're in their 30s. They're in their 40s. They're in their 50s. And I'm in my 60s. So uh, there you go. But we are we're together in this, and we're just we make each other better. We bring everybody brings something different to the table. And then those of us who have walked out life, and we know where the landmines are, we're able to say to these. Don't go that way. I've lost my leg over there. Don't go there. So he just, he's been so faithful. He's been so faithful to us. And we made a decision that we would commit, we would be committed to this place. And we made a decision that we would invest in this place and these two people right here. And we invest. We're not waiting to be invested into. We are investing into them, into this place. What do you need? What do you need? Can I share what the Lord showed me about the table? Okay. Because we are all, I have, a, I have my people. I have my people. And I, uh, but we are family. All of us together are family. And if we don't, we have to come together. When I go and see my family, they're not my girls and my grandkids that we do life different with. They're my family, and I love them, but I don't get to do life with them every day, but I'm there for them. I will be there for them. I, would, I will do whatever they need for me. They're my family, and that's what we are as a community here. We're family, and the Lord began to show me this weekend. He showed me a table that lined up from that wall all the way to that wall and all the way about the middle of that aisle, and it was huge. And instead of us being a body that says, let me go to the table and see what I need, we became a body that says, I got something for the table. Let me take it to the table. And it began to fill up, and it began to fill up, and it began to get so high we couldn't take any more. So we began to say, here, you take this, and you take that, and you take that. And everybody had everything they needed, and I'm talking ministry here. But I'm also saying, the Lord said to me, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything. Everything will be added to you. And this, we have to be all in. 
have to be all in at Vintage 242. What do you want to do, Lord? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to pick up as we go forward? Some of us have laid things down because of disappointments. Go back and get them. Go back and pick up the things you laid down because of disappointments in life. Pick up what God has for you. Lay down what you're not supposed to be carrying. So, I love you. I love this place. Um, when Randall asked me, I started thinking, um, what does all in mean? in vintage, but in a family. And I just started thinking about um, my life. And I was raised in the church, in a very different church. It was Methodist, but not. Um, We were extremely spirit-filled. But we were constantly doing um, family things for the body and the community. I think in the summer we had tables, like what you were talking about, we had tables lined up um, forever, and we would just have like food after service on Sunday or Wednesday nights, like the whole, almost the whole summer, at least I remember. And we did that every time. And so we were constantly doing things together as a church. Um, I grew up with three other families from the church, and we were constantly going on vacations, having barbecues, having prayer nights. Like the their kids were my family, and, and I had not a very good family, so it worked out. Um, so I I just remember growing up, until I moved away um, at, like, 21, um, I had this family, and I grew up with that. And I thought, growing up with seeing miracles and supernatural and this community, I thought that was normal. I thought everybody had that. And then I moved out, and I realized not so much. And the churches that I went to for the last 10 years, I think in eight years of living in Florida, I went to five. It seemed like a year and a half was our threshold Um, I would throw myself into volunteering because I knew that if you had a community, you would find togetherness, and I couldn't. I'd get to the core, and it was toxic. It was terrible. It was was a business. Like, how many more people can we get in? Are we bringing in the money? Is the youth happy? Not that they're finding Jesus, but are they happy so that they bring their friends? And so um, we really struggled in churches, and so vintage is – a 10-year prayer finally being answered. Um, We moved here three years ago. I was obedient to my husband, who was obedient to God, because I did not want to move. Um, So we moved, and the first two years, we were, I was super struggling. Um, I was miserable. I was mad at God. I was mad at Keith for hearing God, which you don't want. Um, But I was mad. I was really, really mad, and I was extremely lonely. I had to leave a job that I loved. I left friends that I thought were my iron, and they were not. Um, I had to leave the beach, and that's, I feel like God made the beach for me, you know. So I had to leave things that were that were comfortable, and at the, probably from the summer of last year to the end, God revealed a lot about why we, he had us move here and stuff, which is, you want to hear that story, you can have coffee with me. Um, but for two years, we struggled. We were lonely. Our hearts were broken. And so last year, the church that we landed in um, before Vintage, it served its purpose, but the small group served its purpose, not not the church. Because the more people that we tried to get to know, we were waiting for them to invite us in. Because for the first time, like, we're new, we, we don't know anyone, and we totally fell out of place. So we thought these Christian people are going to want to have coffee with us, want to have lunch with us, and it never happened. Like,
people were like, oh, yeah, we'll get together, we'll get together, and it never happened. And so um, I was trying really hard to not get bitter because I know, like, as Christians, that's what we do because we find fault in people and we can get bitter. So I, I was praying into it. I'm like, okay, God, what is it? And so last January, before we started Vintage, um, we were praying for our word for the year, and I felt very strong that God said the table. And so I'm like, okay, what? And so for me, that, like, was almost, I don't want to hear that because the church that we were going to talked all about the table, but they did nothing to be the table. And so I was like, okay, God, what are you doing? And he said, stop waiting for people to invite you in. Stop waiting for people to bring you to the table. Stop trying to shove a chair where you don't belong. Stop waiting to squeeze in and be invited to a people that, that you're not supposed to be at. And he said, you go create the table, be the table, and I will have the perfect chair for the perfect people that will come. And our, our when we first moved here, we had our apartment was so disgusting and awful. And so, like, we never wanted to bring people in because we were embarrassed. And it was small, and we just couldn't do life. And God said, stop it. Stop doing that. And then we moved to Dallas, and no one wants to drive to Dallas, but people do. People wanted to come to our house because we were made for hospitality. Um, And so when we came to Vintage, like I said, it was 10 years of praying, 10 years of God, come on. I knew, I know you showed me the fullness of you and the fullness of community growing up, that it's not just once in a lifetime. I know that you made the church to be true and to be who you are. And so... um, we came to Vintage, and we've been to so many different churches, and I think it was either the first or second Sunday, Harvest was here, and she talked about this little girl made this picture, and it was a map, and she was saying that it looks, your map looks crazy, and that all over the place, but every piece has a purpose, and I was like, okay, God, so all those churches have a purpose, gotcha. So um, then weeks after weeks, you know, like, we're here resting. I chose to rest in the first little bit because I threw myself in ministry so that I could find that click so that people would know me because I've always struggled with being known, and Satan knows that. So coming to Vintage, I wasn't trying to be known. I was settled, and I rested. And um, I remember going to Infusion, and I told Steve, I said, I really hope that Vintage is it because we love it, but every time, like, we love a church— we're gone. And he said, okay, that's fine. You know, like if, if you're here for a season, that's okay. And I've never had a pastor say that to me. So I was like, okay, this might be different. Um, but I am not a person that waits for people to invite me. Like, so me doing that in the first two years was forcing myself to do something that I'm not used to doing. So in Vintage, um, when there's a women's night, I was there. Studio 242, I was there. Um, everything, like I wanted to be a part because I feel like in the year here that if you say, well, so-and-so didn't invite me or I don't feel belong or I don't feel connected, it's because you've not went to something because you guys do an awesome job of creating things for people to do. And um, back to the all-in, I was thinking, um, I, I'm a hairstylist, and I worked in a, in a certain company for 10 years, and I chose it because I believe in the product. So... When you go somewhere and you believe in what they do, you want to buy in. You want to be a part of the success and the growth. You buy in. That's vintage. 
that's vintage for us. It's home. It's a 10-year prayer being answered of God, like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? It's, it's coming out of a wilderness and finding refreshment. Um, but the children's ministry, they, they teach my, my babies to, to hear God and to talk to God and to pray for people. And that's amazing. Like, I want to buy in. I want to buy into this because it's not just a lip service. It starts from the head all the way down. And you just want to come and be that body. Um, so that's that, I guess. Thank you, Terry and Jen. I appreciate it. Again, it's one of those things that uh, we recognize, like we're not unaware that stepping into any social situation, church is one of those, can always be a little um, overwhelming sometimes, especially with um, things that you bring, history that you bring, uh, your own emotional scars that you bring from past hurts, past broken places, past broken relationships. And so we're not unaware of that. And so we simply want you to hear the story because we believe that uh, for Jana and for Terry, like these are two women who love Jesus and ultimately love people. And we want you to recognize that, that there is a part, yes, that we're doing our part. And simply there's a part of, of honestly each person saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to engage myself. And that's really what it takes to be all in. It's like the only way I'm all in is if I choose to put myself all in, right? Um, and so with that, like, there's no like, so you better or else. It's more of an invitation. Like, hey, I just want to invite you. We want to invite you to be all in and um, then just see what God does. Well, this morning, um, I want to say we're going to wrap up the All In series uh, that we've been in. Uh, we began this All In series with this question is simply, God, where do you want me to partner with you in the life of the church in 2020, right? And so we talked about this, the church, and what that means. God, where do you want me to partner? If you've not heard that question yet, have not been here, I just invite you to just to take a deep breath and receive it in God. Where do you want me to partner with you in the life of the church in, in 2020? And, and recognizing when we talk about that question, I'm not necessarily talking about Vintage 242, although I am. Right? We, we spent several weeks just uh, really defining what we mean by church, like kind of overall big, one body, big C church. And then we talked about the little C church, like the Vintage 242s and the other surrounding churches in our community. And we talked about the nature of the church being the individual because you can't, you can't have a church without people, right? And so the idea then of the church being this at its, kind of its core, people called together for the purpose and vision of God to save the world. That's what it is. Like the church is not a place. Right, you don't go. You don't go to church. You 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 gather with the people of God, and you are the church. So I'm not saying so. Don't get caught up. Oh my God, I can never say I'm going to church again. You can say I'm going to church, but change your thinking. Stop thinking of building you're walking into, and start thinking about people that you're gathering with. I will say this to you: in the last two weeks, sometimes to be honest with you, I get a gets a little like I get a little tired of coming to the building. Right. Like I spend a lot of time up here, right? You come, you come like once a couple times a week. I'm up here all the time. Like, like I, I see the building and I think leaks need to be fixed. I think about places need to be swept. I'm looking all the, you know how it is when you go into your house and you see those places. I'm like, huh, the place. But man, the last couple of weeks I've been really, really excited on Sunday morning about being the church and gathering together in a way that I haven't in a long time. And it was kind of actually unexpected where I was like, oh my gosh, God, if I if I tweak the way that I view church and stop seeing it as a place that I have to just go give myself and I have to go give money to 
and I have to go see with people who are weird, right? No, it's a bunch of people I got to gather together with God's people for the purpose of his kingdom to save the world. And I gather for that reason. I go, oh, my gosh. And so literally I woke up this morning with a level of excitement to be with you all that, man, I, I have to confess I haven't had in a while. Not that I've loathed it, but I'm like, oh, right. But, man, there's this level of enjoyment. I'm like, God, there is something that you're stirring as a people who are gathered for your purpose to save the world. And, God, that's exciting. That's exciting as we begin to reshape how we view the body of Christ. And, and recognizing, again, we looked at the story of Nehemiah. The Nehemiah is a model for us of, of, a, of a people of God gathered for a purpose who, quote-unquote, were successful in that they completed the task that God gave them. They, they fulfilled the vision that was placed before them. That really is what success is in the church. It has nothing to do with numbers of people walking in your door, people who get baptized. It's not about having a full bank account, right? Success in the body of Christ is a people who are gathered, who are fulfilling the vision and the purpose of God. And if they are, then they are successful. And so as we gather then, so we saw in Nehemiah, we just named five things for them, for Nehemiah. And again, these are not on the screen. These are on our podcast, but you can go listen to it. But just kind of summing up, it's like we looked at Nehemiah and said, all right, as a people who are gathered, right, as a people who are gathered, we learned that if we're going to be gathered and be successful, we are called to, one, be focused on God's vision, like our life has to be revolving around God's vision of saving the world, of making disciples, of loving Jesus and loving our neighbor, then we have to be all in and doing our part, right? We have to be all in and doing our part. So don't look at somebody else and say they need to, but instead of saying, God, where do you want me to partner, right? What do you have for me to do? The third thing is expect opposition, Right, expect opposition. I think the greatest, one of the greatest um, um, failures in the body of Christ and the people of God is that we think since we have God, nothing bad will ever happen. If you ever read the Bible, that's never the case, right? The worst thing, like, I'll never forget one uh, Jewish man said about 50 years ago about Christians. He's like, man, if, if, if being the people of God is, is the experience I've had as a Jew, then Christians, you can have it. Right. You can have it. You can be the people because this has been really overwhelming for us. Right. We expect opposition number four. So in that when the opposition comes, we have to be wise. We have to be active and prepared for battle. That's the story of Nehemiah in chapter four. It's like they were the enemy came, God fought for them, and then they changed their tactics. They said, okay, well, we need to be, continue to expect opposition, right? We're going to live in a world where people are coming against us, so we will build, right? We will do the work of God, we will fulfill the vision, and we will be prepared for battle at every single turn. And we said, five, we have to then rally. We have to rally to our church family in need. That was a beautiful story for Nehemiah and the people of God here. They were like, man, when you hear the trumpet call, rally. Rally to the problems, the rally to the issue here. And, and, that, and the idea of that for us, and last week we kind of talked about this uh, in Acts chapter 6, so some of these practical pieces that we, we're stepping up in the things that we're doing in the small C church that God has called us to here. And we specifically talked about last week just con- connecting with the Vintage Village. It is an all play that every single one of us is engaging our children in some form or fashion uh, and that we are signing up and being a part of hospitality. It's a quote-unquote felt need, like the Greek widows were a felt need in the 
early church. And so, anyway, so with that, it's kind of catching you up. Again, I encourage us on the podcast. I think they were pretty decent. You should go listen to them if you have time. This morning's going to be very, very different, okay? I'm not going to open up the Bible and, like, kind of go through verse by verse. I'm not going to go through, like, this massive teaching with three points in the end to make you all feel better so you clarify what I'm talking about, right? This morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to take these different words that we've been hearing from the Lord over the last two years, and I'm just going to share them with you. When I say the words we've been hearing from the Lord, like, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are people, and you're those people too, who are doing life with Jesus, and then they're listening, Right? They're listening. And I love people who listen. Like, I like being around people who listen because I think I have good things to say, right? Just in the eye when I'm getting out. Like, I love people who listen. I love people who listen to Jesus. I love people who, when they get to be with the Lord rather than going through their list of things they want God to do, they sit still and say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? God, what are you speaking? So, I believe, here I am. Here I am, your servant. Speak, Lord. I am listening, right? They're coming in the moment prophetically believing that God. He still loves his children, and because he still loves his children, he speaks through his word, and then he speaks to us as we listen to him in prayer. And as we then listen to him in prayer, right, we then go, all right, God, these are the things you're calling us towards. And I believe the greatest thing that we can do uh, for ourselves as the body of Christ, being all in, is that we're listening to Jesus. We're listening and then heeding or doing what he's saying. And so this morning, I'm going to, and we've got people who literally, they shoot me things. They was praying today. felt like God was saying this. I've got a catalog in my email. I have places and just other places I've written it down. I've got this app called Evernote. And so in Evernote, I take notes every Tuesday morning in our prayer times. Kathy Cox, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm writing on my phone. I promise I'm listening to you, right? It's like, okay, 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 right? And so there's this idea. I'm like, on my phone, I'm typing in my notes, right? And so we're having this funny laugh about it, right? But the idea is I'm typing in why? Because I want to hear what God has to say. Like, I don't know about you, but I've had moments of prayer when James says, hey, listen, listen, if any of you are lacking wisdom, ask, right? If you're lacking wisdom, ask, and God will speak, right? I, I, I want to hear what he has to say. I think what you have to say is great, but I really want to hear Jesus, and so I'm going to go through a list of these things this morning. We feel like God's been speaking. I'll give you some dates on some of these as, to, as, it's, as it's relevant. Uh, the funniest thing is I was going through these. I just began to recognize men, a common theme in all of this. Men who went to man camp. Um, who went to man camp? Let's show our hands real quick so I can know. Okay. So it's really, really interesting as I'm going through. I'm, he's talking about, I feel like God, what God's been saying for the last two years is ultimately about the wall. Right? We talked about it at man camp. It's been the process of being the wall. If you did emotionally healthy spirituality or a few years ago, chapter 6 or chapter 7, I forget, is about the wall. Right? And that's really where it's like God has us. It was really fascinating as I was going through it. I was like, oh, my gosh, God, this is so good. So here's what I'm going to just go through some of these things and say a few words about them and go through. Uh, I think some of these will be on the screen, and, and uh, so we will pull those up. Uh, number, one, number one, a word I've received from multiple sources, and this is the first one on the screen. We are to return to who we are. We are to return to who we are, right? And that's kind of a big piece. And so if I were to look at you and say, God is saying to you to return to who you are. Like, I, I, that's what God's speaking, right? It's to return to who we are here. And so you can lay that. So I don't want to, I'm going to say a couple of specific things about this, but I want you to hear that for yourself. Who is God? Like, if you were to say who you really are, and God is returning you to who you are, what does that really mean, right? 
In Revelation, it talks about, hey, this is, I hold this against you. You've lost your first love. Return to what you did at first. The idea is like, return to what you did that ultimately cultivated this deep and authentic relationship with Jesus, right? So, but there are multiple ways to understand this. And saying these words, I want you to pray into God. What are you calling me to return to, right, on an individual level? But as a body, I believe God is calling us to be all in in our life of prayer. Like God's calling us in this season to a life of prayer that maybe is a return to a life of prayer you once had or to step into a life of prayer that you've never had. Right? To return to a life of prayer you you used to have or to step into a level of prayer that you that you never, ever had in your life. Listen, our foundation of relationship with Jesus, our intimacy with him, grounded in an authentic and powerful prayer life, is ultimately who we are to be as human beings. Prayer is simply real communication and relationship with Jesus. We are who we are as a church based off of our life of prayer, both personally and corporately. We must pray. Arguably, the greatest trait defining the life of Jesus on earth was his prayer life. We could obviously argue this point, but I could, you could make a point, arguably, that the greatest trait defining the life of Jesus on earth was his prayer life. We have said before that engaging the Jewish traditions means that Jesus practiced what we now call the daily office, that he would stop three times a day, morning, afternoon, and in the evening, in the midst of, you know, doing the work of saving Tens of thousands of people and proclaiming truth, right, and suffering persecution and people who were opposed and, and fighting all of these people, right, and doing family stuff, right, in the context of all of this. He would say, but the most important thing, the thing that defines me is stopping three times a day. His disciples would watch and pray with him. And in Luke 11, one of the disciples was so moved by his prayer life that he asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And his response is response what we now call the lord's prayer right it's what we call the lord's prayer prayer is the heart and soul of the life of jesus and for us to return to who we are as a people i believe we must return to who jesus is a man of prayer we must return to who jesus says we are according to matthew 21 13 we are called to be a house of prayer and so I don't know what you're, so again, so I'm going to release, so remove condemnation, but I am going to be honest with you. One of the things that struck me this weekend, I was thinking about athletes, and every single primary athlete has someone that they look up to, right? And if you ask them, so you look up to so-and-so, yeah, so, so what did, so, and they would, a lot of them would say, I just saw what they did, and I did that. Because I knew it, that got them to this place. If I did what they did and practiced what they did, then I would become like them someday. And I think the picture I have is super simple, right? If we want to be someone like someone, then we do what they did and Jesus prayed. And so if we want to be like Jesus and dive into the things of Jesus and be all into Jesus, then you know what we have to do? We have to, he stops all, he's a, he's, he just stops and he prays. That's what he does. And so we need to be practicing this active stopping at least three times a day like he did as he modeled for us, right? And taking time to be a people in a house of prayer. So for us, the same word we got, we got just a couple of weeks ago, January 28th, change. 
Change is birth through prayer. God is calling us to prayer. He is bringing new systems, right? Do the works he has called us to do. Pray, believe, press in. It is a hard thing that's so counterintuitive. But like the story of Nehemiah, we must work at this. We must give our time and energy, and we need to be ready. Need to be ready for what he's doing, okay? Uh, on second thing, on 5, May 17, 2019, on Tuesday morning, I don't know, again, I'm not throwing out any names of who said this because I don't remember, uh, but it says this, I see us being off axis, but it is preparation. God sometimes has to unsettle us before he can move us forward. Man, that's the wall, right? That's the wall. See us being off axis, but it is preparation. God sometimes has to unsettle us before he can move us forward. The image I had in this, and I'll probably come back to this later, around this was the picture of cleaning out a garage. Scott will t- Scott walked into my garage on Monday. He's like, oh, my God, I can walk through your garage. Because he's, wa- he's tried to walk through our garage before and like was afraid he was going to die. Because it was just so messy and so things just laying everywhere. It had nothing to do with me. It was all Randall. And so in that, right, you had all this stuff. In the garage, it was over. I got made me so frustrated. I hated walking through my garage, right? And so the idea was we had to clean our garage. This is the picture I had. So you take a garage, and how do you clean it? Like how do you how do you how do you how do you take something that's that needs to be fixed? So I, I saw the garage, like it was what it was. But the only way to get it clean was to unsettle it by taking everything out. Right. And so people walk by and go, is there a garage sale going on or is that a is that a living hoarder? Right. It's like something going on here. Right. And so and so then you take that and then you get rid and the unsettling, you get rid of all the stuff that you don't need. And then you put things back into its place so that you can then nicely and this very low emotions, just walk to the garage with peace and enjoy it. That's the point. This is the idea. See us being off action, but it's preparation. God sometimes has to unsettle us before he can move us forward. And so in this, like what we are in a season of growing, our role is to, is to submit. And you have to ask the question, God, where are you calling me to submit? Right. God, where are you calling me to submit? Uh, 618, 2019, God has invited us to take the things outside of our control. This is kind of a longer one. God has invited us to take the things outside of our control. I think I touched on this somewhere back in the time. But A, it's just to, to bring to him the weight we feel. Second, sit with him long enough with this weight in mind until it is no longer a weight because we have gained his perspective, Right? And see, and then from this perspective, we pray for breakthrough, recognizing his leadership and his investment. So I talk to people all the time, and their life is defined by the weight that they carry, right? And they're like, ask me, what do I do? And how do I get rid of the weight? And, and I'm like, well, I don't know, but I'll tell you something that would be super helpful and probably is the answer. Go sit at the feet of Jesus long enough until all of a sudden you have his perspective, because when you see his perspective, as in seeing it the way that he sees it, nothing ever weighs him down. So then if you gain his perspective, then you won't be weighed down. And then that, when that perspective breaks in, right, you'll recognize his leadership and his investment. The greatest thing we recognize in life is I can't control this, 
but if I try, it's going to overwhelm me. But if I relinquish control so that Jesus has it, then I can trust him and I can relax. All right. So that's what I feel like God's speaking in that. 618. uh, So the second thing, this was an interesting word. So I'm hoping it connects with somebody. Uh, This is we must double. We must be double down people. Ephesians 6, expecting hardship, but when it comes, clothed in joy, we will double down into Jesus and we will pray, right? So again, it's this piece of being with Jesus, being a people of prayer, right? Like the idea is like you have to recognize, like, what do you escape to in these moments? Do you escape to alcohol? Do you escape to Netflix, right? Do you escape to pornography? Do you escape to depression? Do you escape to, to negativity, and complaint because it just makes you feel better do you feel do you do you do you escape to gossip so you can tear others down in the context of building you up or do you double down into jesus and say god i'm not leaving right like blind bartimaeus jesus son of david have mercy on me i'm going to scream i don't care people tell me to shut up i'm going to scream for jesus until he comes because he's the only thing that brings peace that's what god's saying Double down into Jesus, okay? Don't double down into your own skill. Don't double down into your own conversations with people, but double down into Jesus and pray. 7, 9, 19, a word referring to the wave of God's presence that we've been talking about uh, for the past year and a half. Uh, speaks to the other words we've kind of stated above. It's this. You did not know. This is the word that came. You did not know what you were praying. Okay, it's a little bit longer one. You did not know what you were praying. It comes with a cost. This idea of going after Jesus, these deeper things, right? You didn't exactly know what you were praying. It comes with a cost. His presence doesn't come easily. does not come cheaply. You need wisdom for what God is about to reveal. There's a refiner's fire. It's the same point from the very beginning, right? Refiner's fire is coming. You know what a refiner's fire? You know what a refiner's fire? You have this dirty gold. You put it in. You put it in the fire. It burns off all the garbage and everything melts, and all that you have left is pure gold. So God does that. He looks at our life. It's the idea you can have the image of the um, prodigal son who comes back. He repents. He's now part of the family again, but he still smells like a pig. He still has all that stuff on him, right? His hair's still a mess. And so it's like this idea of like, man, God wants to do this refiner's fire of like getting rid of all of that and bringing us into who he is. So this idea does not come cheaply. Need wisdom for what God's about to reveal. Refiner's fire is coming. He gets us ready. A loneliness, this turns into a loneliness and frustration for many of us. It's the wall, guys. And again, I apologize for those of you who weren't there. Frustration, but I'm just speaking to them because they were there. Loneliness and frustration for many of us because we don't understand it. But we keep walking in it, right? The wall is that difficult moment of your life, like God trying to mature you and only get to get you from, from here to here. It's the wall. It's the dark night of the soul. It's the difficult season. It's that season like when Winston, you know, Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, then just keep going, right? If you're going through hell, just keep going. And so there's this thing, like I said, this is a difficult season. It's, it's this, and I'm getting rid of all of this stuff. I'm de, like this other word we're going to have a little bit. We're going to declutter. We're getting rid of all this stuff. So nothing distracts you from me. Because if you really want my presence, then you have to remove X, Y, and Z from your life. Because they are a distraction. They are a distraction. 
lips. He came into the presence of God doing fine. He saw God high and exalted. And the only thing he think was, I'm so dirty. There's so much garbage in me. It's just better if I die. And God goes, no, 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 no. I'm purifying you. It's a gift for you to feel overwhelmed and undone, right? So keep on going because I'm going to purify you because I have this over here for you. So that you walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? So God's doing this work. Um, Nehemiah and Isaiah in this season, surrendering our will to the will of the Father, what he wants rather than what we want. I mean, this is so helpful. I'm sitting here going through this. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my life right now. 8, 6, 19, many wounds will be exposed in this season. It is purification of the bride. You see all this, all these words of purification, all these words, I just purification of the bride. I'm putting pressure, like a diamond, I'm putting pressure, my force of movement that will come like destruction, but it is life, the formation of life. We must love in the moment, show grace, show compassion until Jesus Christ Christ is formed. Like, do you know the expectation of, this is important, the expectation of Jesus for all of you because you said yes to him is that you said yes to whatever he wanted to do to shape you into Christ-likeness. He'll do whatever he wants to do. And I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes formation hurts. That's the point. I mean, isn't it so sad when people go to churches where they tell you everything, God's, God's plans to only make you happy? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Got two more things, and then we're done. Um, 9, 10, 19. Uh, this is the word. This is the prayer, man. It struck me. Lord, excuse me, lead us into the fear of the Lord so that we will never fear another man. Lead us into the fear of the Lord so that we will never fear another man. Fear of the Lord speaks to reverence, a clear understanding of his holiness, his power, his magnitude, and his complete otherness. When we see him for who he is, then we truly recognize nothing compares. This was the simple analogy as a guy that, I've, that fits it for me. And so this is not a perfect analogy. You may not like it. Some of, my, some of the men will for sure. A lot of the women will too. And it's simply this. This is the picture I had. When I am going into a fight against someone bigger than me, I know how I feel. All right? But I know how I feel when the biggest, strongest, baddest man comes up and says, hey, no worries. I have your back. He won't lay a finger on you. Mm. Lead us into the fear of the Lord and understanding of who he is, because then I never fear what he can do over here, the enemy. I never fear man and what they say and what they do, because I'm so caught up in the holiness and the magnitude and the beauty of God. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, why did I fear? Why was I overwhelmed by this, Lord? This is so Good, Jesus. I have this picture of something huge, but when I see it in light of your hugeness, it's little. This is what Jesus is doing. Like, so when I say this is a word, like, 
it's something we are all in with, but it's the work that Jesus is doing. Like, I'm not saying you have to work yourself into these things. The prophetic is like, God, I simply want to submit to what you're saying. Now, if there's things for me to do, let me know, but I submit to your will. So, yes, Jesus, I say yes. I do. You do you, right? That's what we're saying here. One, uh, so the last two weeks, 128.20 and 2.4.20, I guess nothing happened between, um, you know, September and, and December. I don't know. Um, I, I probably felt guilty holding my phone in front of Kathy, so I put it down. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish I could have been there. That was hilarious. All right. All right, the pri- this is the word. The primary word we received, and I've already kind of stated this, the primary word we, we, we discussed and prayed into was the word declutter. The word of God decluttering our lives spiritually, right, emotionally. That's why we're doing emotionally healthy spirituality again, because we have people who are so cluttered in the rejection and so cluttered with anxiety and so cluttered with fear, right, that they can't, they like, function half with Jesus and half not because they're spiritually fairly mature, but they're so emotionally immature that it keeps them from actually running the race. Like one leg is healthy and the other leg is not, right? So God's trying to declutter these emotional wounds so that they can be whole to run the race. Again, it speaks to God looking at our lives, working hard to move anything in us that's keeping us from the life he has for us. We talked about this at Man Cave, at least in my small group. Um, that Pat led, it was Psalm 139, 23 through 24, search me, God, and know my heart, right? Test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and then declutter me, lead me in the way everlasting, right? So Psalm 139, you should all be able to quote, you should all know that one, right? Super huge. This is the verse of self-awareness, right? The discipline of God. I want to be aware of the things that are keeping me from being who I'm called to be in Christ, my real life in you. So search me and find it and let's get rid of it. Declutter, right? Let us declutter. And the beautiful piece is, and hear this, God is working really hard right now in your life to declutter you. And I'm just inviting you to submit to that, right, and be honest in that. He's working super hard to make you pure. He's working super hard to answer the prayer that you prayed when you first gave your life to Jesus. Jesus, have your way in me. Take me wherever you want me to go, and let me do whatever you want me to do, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. So he's like, okay, I take you. I remember that. You may have forgotten, but I have not. So I'm working to declutter, prepare, refine, because I have something here. What is it? I don't know, but it's really good. I don't know what this is that Jesus has for us, right? We can use all sorts of language. Maybe say this, when we get there, maybe it's going to be beautiful because Jesus only creates beautiful art, and so it's going to be good. All right. Um, I had one more. I'm not going to share it. Um, maybe for somebody else individually. So, I'm going to hold on to it. Sorry. Uh, if you want to know, I'll come and tell you. I, don't, I haven't quite figured it out yet, so I'm, I don't, I've read it down, but it doesn't make any sense. So, um, um, okay, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to tell you, you told me I had to. Now, uh, I'm going to share it. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to hear this one, and I just, like the language may not make complete sense. So just give me grace in this one, okay? On Tuesday, I thought about the hardships and the difficulties we face in life. 
Um, and I thought about like the sins committed against us a lot of times. I think about the uh, things that are done to hurt us, the things that are wounding in nature from people or churches or jobs. I think about I was just thinking about all the wounds that we have. Um, and so in so I'm going to try to so I'm going to I'm going to say what God said, but I had to just qualify it with this on the front end. Like I, I just saw all these people um, and I saw the scars. I saw their scars. Right, just from past things like you know what I'm talking about, say like scars, but they weren't like they weren't like I've got like you don't know, but I've got a scar that reaches from here to here from the surgery I had when I was like eight months old, right? And so when I was a kid, I was super self-conscious of that scar, and I know the people who were self-conscious of their scars, right? Um, and I felt like God said this: scarring, we see it as ugly, but scarring in the earth like has created some of the world's most beautiful scenery, gorges. And canyons. So it says when God heals and scars are left, they are not ugly, but beautiful reminders of God's movement, his faithfulness, and it has a specific beauty. And what I mean by that, and what I, this is why this didn't make a ton of sense. I could see it in my head. I could feel it more than I could speak it. But I felt like I was saying simply is that so many of us have had these situations of scarring in our life that we think we're unusable, we're not worthy, whatever it may be. And God just says, no, those scars are beautiful. They're beautiful. I just saw it. I saw that. I literally saw the canyons like out in the desert and I saw like the Grand Canyon. Like we, we call it majestic and all it is is scarring. That's all it is. It's just scarring. The scarring from water over the years and God says, no, it's beautiful. You call it majestic. My, the scarring has occurred in your life. I know it hurt, right? But I've made it beautiful. It speaks to my faithfulness. It's a reminder to you and to everyone else around you that I am God, that I am good, that I am faithful. He's a good father. So that was it. That made, I hope that made sense to someone.